Thank you, choir and Chuck, Miss Fran, thank you so much, appreciate that. Good morning, good to see all of you here today, appreciate you uh, taking time to be here to worship with us. For those of you who may be uh, visiting with us or new to Concord, my name is Chase Stone, I'm one of the associate pastors here, and uh, it's my honor to be filling in for Dr. Cox today as he and Jerry Joe are out of town, they are at a pastor's conference, matter of fact it's the pastor's conference that all of you gave him back in the fall for uh, pastor appreciation and I'm sure they're having a great time being uh, re-energized and um, having some time away and I ask that you just be in prayer for their safe travels as they head back home to be with us in a couple of days. But like I said, I'm honored, always honored to be able to pinch hit and come in and uh, fill the pulpit for Dr. Cox and since Dr. Cox is in the middle of a new series entitled The Incredible Life of Grace. I want us to continue down that path a little bit today, but I want to do it from a little different perspective. And I want to begin today by talking about dynamic duos. Dynamic duos. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that phrase, dynamic duos. You've heard that one before. Most of you have, I guess. Um, I bet we could probably come up with several off the top of our head. I got some pictures of a few of them up there that you can take a look at. So I want to play a little game. I'm going to give you the first half of a dynamic duo, and I want you to tell me the second half of the dynamic duo. Some of them you can cheat because there's some of them up there on the screen already. Let's start with that original dynamic duo, Batman and Robin. Very good. Uh, I don't think this one's up there. How about uh, Laurel and some of our young folks are going, who in the world is Laurel and Hunt? <laughs> How about Sonny and uh, some of them aren't really good. Some dynamic duos don't do good things. How about Bonnie and Bonnie and Clyde. Animated ones, Tom and and Butch Cassidy and, man, y'all are good. One of our favorites, peanut butter and even a dynamic duo in the food world, right? Um, but you notice all these things seem to kind of come together. Don't they? They're kind of like a, like a package deal. It's hard for us to talk about one without also talking about the other. We hardly ever separate the two. It's almost like they're linked together. Um, it's like they're joined at the hip, as we may say. Some things seem to work better as part of a pair than they do individually. You may even have friends that way. You may know people that are a dynamic duo. I can't help but think of those folks who have been married for, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. I think of those folks as a dynamic duo. Most of the time we talk about those folks, we talk about them. We use both of their names to talk about one of them. Like one could be sick and we're like, so-and-so and so-and-so are both they're sick. And you're like, both of them? No, well, just so-and-so. But we just, we just throw their names together, right? Because they, they come together as a package deal. I take my parents, for example. My parents are sitting right back there. Uh, the grandkids in our family call them Ma and Pa. Real creative, I know. Um, give, we'll give Riley credit for that one, the oldest grandchild back there. But they're Ma and Pa. And when you talk to one of our, the kids in our family, it's always Ma and Pa. It's never just Ma. It's never just Pa. It's both of them. Are mom and pa coming to our game? Are we going to mom and pa's house? It's mom and pa this, mom and pa that. And it's hardly ever separated. They're always mentioned together like a package. And um, as a side note, Bill, I'm gonna st- where's Bill? I'm going to steal some thunder from you today. I've got to stop for a moment and mention my sister Robin, who's back here. She's here with us today. And my dad, Pa himself. It's their birthday today as well, too. So I'm going to give them a hand. Birthdays everywhere today. We'll have a big party. Uh, well, maybe we'll use Fran's party as a birthday party tonight as well. But, uh, but you know, um, dynamic duos are everywhere. We see them all over the place. They're all throughout society. And the reason I wanted us to take a second to look at some of those today is because I believe that grace, which we've been talking about now for the last couple of weeks in this series that Dr. Cox has us in, I believe that grace is one part of a dynamic duo. It's one part of it. As a matter of fact, when I was growing up, and I was reading, my, studying my Bible and getting to know the Lord better. I had a really hard time understanding uh, grace without also considering its partner, which I believe to be mercy. 
I believe grace and mercy go hand in hand. You think about when you pray, a lot of times we'll say, God, give us your grace and your mercy. We just kind of lump those two things together. Have you ever noticed that? Two wonderful examples of God's goodness, two great attributes of God that, of course, are capable of standing alone. I'm not saying they're not, but I think they work better together. I believe that we truly can't grasp the concept of grace without also truly grasping the concept of mercy. Understanding both of them and how they work together gives us an appreciation for them individually. I don't really understand grace unless I understand mercy. I don't really understand mercy unless I also understand grace. I look at it the same way we have to look at heaven and hell. You don't really get an appreciation for heaven unless you understand hell. You don't get an appreciation for good unless you understand evil, right? You don't get an understanding for light unless you understand darkness, they work together. We have to have an understanding of both of them. So let's, uh, let's take a moment. Let's unpack these two terms for a second. Let's look at a definition of both of them because I'm not sure if you're aware of it or not. Many of us good Christian folks, good church-going folks, we use these words interchangeably a lot. And we shouldn't do that because they are not the same thing. They work together, but they are not the same thing. We need to understand them for what they are. So first of all, as Dr. Cox has mentioned already the last couple of weeks, grace is the unmerited or undeserved favor of God. Undeserved favor of God. Simply put, it is God giving us something good that we don't deserve. He's talked about it last couple of weeks. It's like the righteousness of Jesus. He said that righteousness of Jesus was imputed to us, given to us, his perfection, his righteousness given to us even though we don't deserve it. That's grace. But mercy is quite the opposite of that really. They work together, but they're not the same. Mercy is forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in one's power to punish. We might say it this way. It's not getting something bad that you do deserve, right? So grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. See how they play together. They work together. We have to have an understanding of both of these things. And I think we need to see them, like I said, both together to get an appreciation for them individually. And that's what I hope to do in our time together today in a sermon that I've entitled, Have Mercy. Have Mercy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the 51st Psalm. That's where we're going to be today. Psalm 51. And we're only going to look at the first three verses today. But we're going to get a lot out of those three verses. So Psalm 51. I'm sorry, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 3. As you're finding your way there, um, let me just tell you a little bit about this. Of course, this was written by King David, and it was written by David at a time in his life that was very dark. Things were not going well. He was in a very difficult moment in his life. It was right after the prophet Nathan had exposed his sin. Nathan came forward, exposed his affair with Bathsheba, exposed the cover-up of Bathsheba, uh, the murder of uh, her husband Uriah. Um, So David is feeling a lot of guilt, a lot of shame at this time. And he sits down, he writes this, he pens this psalm in a very difficult time in his life. But I want you to notice something, what he does here. In these first three verses, he asks God for something. Read these along with me. Go ahead and read those first two words with me. What does it say? Have mercy. Look at what he says. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Now, I don't know how you hear this when you read it. I don't know how that sounds to you. But to me, it sounds like David is a man who's expecting punishment. 
He sounds like a man who understands that he has sinned against God and he is expecting to receive punishment for us. He, um, he doesn't even try to defend himself. He doesn't say, but God, if you understood what I was going through, you know, if you understood this and this part and I'm just this guy and I'm just a regular guy and all that, he never does any of that. He just says, I've made a mistake and I deserve the punishment. He's fully aware of his transgressions. Look there in verse 3, it says his sins and his transgressions are before him. He's basically saying, they're out there for everybody to see. I can't deny them, I can't hide from them, I can't run from them, I'm a sinner. And he knows that. And he knows the punishment he is due, but yet he cries out for something, doesn't he? He cries out for mercy. Look back in verse 1. I want you to notice something here in verse 1 again. There's two reasons in verse 1 that we find, two reasons why David may have thought he was going to be granted mercy. Two things about God that he he says here that gave him some hope. Look back there in verse 1 again. He says, according to your, what's it say? Unfailing love. And then the very next line, and according to your great compassion. David understood his unfailing love, his great compassion. Without these two things, David has no chance at mercy. No chance at getting any kind of forgiveness, receiving forgiveness. If God is that ruthless dictator in the sky that so many people see him as, David is doomed. There's no hope for him. But we know something about David, don't we? We know that David knew God's heart. He was a man after God's own heart. And he knows that mercy is a result of God's goodness. And he knew that mercy came only through this love and this compassion of God toward his children, right? He had love and compassion toward his children. I'm going to talk to the parents in the room for a second. I want to talk to the parents of young children, some of our younger families today. How many times have your children deserved punishment, but yet you've shown them mercy? They've done something wrong. They know it. You know it. Probably somebody else knows it too but yet you spared them the punishment they deserved. It happens, right? We've all been there. Some of you younger families are saying today, about eight to ten times probably already today, right? Sunday mornings are very hard on young families. We have a difficult time with young kids getting them here to church, but it happens because we just get tired of punishing them all the time. Sometimes you just have to show mercy, and we do that. Um, Some of you have heard this story before. Most of you in my Sunday school class have heard it, and I apologize, but when I was about four years old, I was quite the artist, as a four-year-old, I, at least I thought I was, uh, quite the artist. And my medium of choice was crayons. I loved crayons. And um, I was a wizard with a crayon. And one day I wanted to share my gift with the world, uh, my artistic abilities as a four-year-old. So I chose to express myself on the wall of my parents' living room. Yeah, it was a good day. So I slid the couch a little bit, a little bit out from the wall, and I kind of just, just enough so I could get my little four-year-old body back there. And I proceeded to create this masterpiece, red crayon, white walls. It was like an open canvas for me. You imagine little four-year-old Chase standing there with my crayon. It was just like, whoa, this is the biggest piece of paper I've ever had. And um, it was just begging me to share my innermost four-year-old feelings with the wall, I believe. So I did, as any four-year-old would do. I I just took to the crayon, and I I remember I took the crayon in my hand, and I walked back and forth along the wall, you know, (laughs) switch hands, made a few waves. I'd stop along the way, stopped along the way to trace my hand, You know, I think it was like my way of signing my artwork. You know, you had to sign, you know, any great artist signs their work, right? But of course, it didn't take long for my mom to notice because like any other four-year-old, I I colored outside the lines. I pushed the couch back against the wall, but there were still some red marks sticking out the sides. I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to know it was just a a short couch. So I had those red crayon marks on the wall and she saw it and it didn't take long for her to call me down and she calls me down into the room and she asked me, do you have any idea what happened here? 
And of course, being an actor at the time, I was like, what in the world happened to your walls? <laughs> you know, this is appalling. Who would do such a thing? Like, she's like, are you sure you don't know anything about this? No, ma'am. I don't have, we need to find the guilty party. <laughs> this is out of control. Now, keep in mind that uh, the, the writing on the wall, as we say, was about this high. You know, because I'm four years old. It's only about two feet off the ground. You know, it's perfect eye height for a four-year-old. So that was already kind of against me. And then, most of you don't know this about me, but I have a messed up finger on my left hand. I've got a bit of a nub. I, got it, I had an accident when I was a little kid, cut the tip of it off. I, now all of you are going to be thinking about that the rest of the sermon. I'll show it to you afterwards, I promise. Um, I cut the tip of it off when I was a little kid. It's a little misshapen, and a little shorter than the other. So remember when I was tracing my hand on the wall? I was tracing my nub on the wall. And yet I thought I could deny that it was me. You know, I'm like, oh, ma'am, it wasn't me, but it was a dead giveaway. And when, I guess when you're four years old, you don't think about all of that. But my mom quickly um, uh, revealed that information to me. It's this high and you've got an up on the wall. So it's got to be you. And uh, it was in that moment that I knew. I knew I was busted. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't deny my sin. I couldn't deny the mistake that I made. There was no running from it. I deserved the whipping that I was about to get. And I knew it. But you know what happened? I didn't get one. I didn't get one. Um, my sisters, both of my sisters are back here. They'll tell you it's because I'm the baby of the family and I'm spoiled. Um, I like to look at it more biblically than that. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it was my mom's unfailing love and compassion showing me mercy. Um, I, try to think, I try to think through scripture even as a four-year-old, I guess. But um, it might have been that she was just too tired to whip me anymore. But, um, but she showed me grace and mercy in that moment. She, well, she didn't show me grace. She showed me mercy in that moment. Um, she didn't give me what I deserved. I deserved punishment. I deserved the whooping that was coming to me, but I didn't get it. You know, I think about it, just like the Lord showed David mercy, just like my mom showed me mercy, the Lord continues to show all of us mercy every day. Every day. You ever think about that? Every single day that you wake up and take a breath is an act of mercy on behalf of God to you. Every day that you live, God is showing you mercy every day single day because you think about it Paul wrote in Romans 3 23 those verses we all know that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God right we've all sinned we've all come up short and then he goes on in Romans 6 23 and tells us that the consequence of that sin is what death death we have all sinned and because of our sin we deserve to die no defense no ifs ands buts about it you deserve that fate but God Two of the most powerful words ever spoken, ever written. But God shows us mercy. He has mercy on us. He spares us. Even though he knows and we know we deserve the punishment. But out of his love and his compassion for us, he gives us mercy. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that God is the father of all mercies. He is the beginning of mercy, if you will. Without him, there is no such thing. But you know what's even greater about God's mercy? Is that it doesn't stop right there. That's not the end of it. Like I've already mentioned, grace and mercy go hand in hand. They're a dynamic duo. They work well together. So God doesn't just show us mercy, but he goes the extra mile and gives us grace. He shows us mercy. He doesn't give us what we do deserve, but then he takes it even a step further and gives us something that we don't deserve. David asked God for mercy, and it was granted to him, but God then went on to show him great grace on top of that, blessed him. David had a, didn't have a life without trials and tribulations, but David knew he lived a life full of grace and mercy. 
Ryan read for us a little while ago, Psalm 103.8. David wrote those words. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in steadfast love. David understood that he got the package deal. He got both sides of the dynamic duo. He didn't just spare him, he blessed him. You ever thought about that? God spares us and then he blesses us. That's what makes God's love and compassion so much greater than any other love and compassion that we may know. My mom showed me mercy, but I don't think she showed me grace. She showed me mercy because she didn't give me the punishment I deserved, but I don't think she hugged me and said, I'm proud of you, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. That would have been grace. I'd have gotten something that I didn't deserve. I just didn't get what I did deserve. That was mercy. That's what makes God's grace and mercy so much greater than anything that we know from an earthly standpoint. Because not only does he spare us, but he even blesses us. We all sin. We all deserve death. But he is merciful toward us. Like that old verse says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? The ultimate act of grace and mercy. Not giving us what we do deserve, but yet also giving us what we don't. Taking our punishment, giving us his righteousness. It's crazy, really. It's a crazy kind of love, really, to think that he would not only spare us, but he would also give us grace. He would bless us in a way that only he can. Which leads me to the always popular question in a message like that, in this, and that is the question, so what? What does this mean to me and you? What is this all about? How am I supposed to take something from this? So I'm going to talk now to our believers. I'm going to talk to those Christians, those who have given their life to Christ. And I want to remind you, there's a great deal of life application in these verses. A lot of life application to be found here from Christians. As Christians, we are to be imitators of God, right? We're to be imitators of God in our lives. And that means being full of grace and mercy toward those people around us. Did y'all hear what I said? Full of grace and mercy toward the people around us. In our world today, there seems to be much more aggression and hostility and hatred toward people than there is grace and mercy. Am I right? A lot more of that, I think. It seems like that's what we read about more. Everyone has thin skin. Everyone feels wronged. Everyone is seeking revenge. Grudges are held for years and years and years. It's not pretty. But thank God he doesn't hold grudges, right? Can I get an amen on that? God doesn't hold grudges. He's full of grace and mercy. Last week, I was at Upward. We te- I coach, where's Jason Blaylock? Raise your hand. Jason is my fellow coach of our Upward basketball team. We coach a fifth and sixth grade basketball team here at Upward. And after practice one time last week, we had our devotion. And the devotion was, the topic of that night was kindness. We were talking to our kids about being kind to one another. And uh, the verse they were asked to memorize that week was Luke 6.31. Most of you know it as the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. We all know that one. So I was kind of going through this devotion with our kids. It was after practice. They were tired, and I thought they were getting a little bored. I mean, come on, they've heard the golden rule how many times by now? Thousands, right? They know the golden rule. And I knew I was losing them a little bit. I knew they were getting a little bored, and I stopped, and I, I thought for a second, and I said, but do y'all remember who Jesus was talking about when he said to love your enemies? I mean, to love you, he was talking about loving your enemies. That's what he was talking about. I said, he's talking about loving the people that don't like you, loving the people that you don't like, showing grace and mercy to the people that you don't like, the people who don't like you. And I remember they looked at me, their eyes kind of got big and said, you're telling me I've got to be kind to the people that I don't like? And I was like, yeah, that's what Jesus is telling us. And they're like, I've got to be kind to the people who don't like me? Yeah. That's what this is about. It's not just being nice to the people that you like. 
It's not being nice to the people that are nice to you. It's being nice and kind to everyone, showing them that grace and mercy. And I thought to myself, don't we adults ask those same questions? I've got to be kind to this person? This person doesn't like me. I don't even like this person. But you want me to show grace and mercy to this person? But that's what Jesus calls us to do. And as I talked to them, I remembered what Jesus said a little bit later in that same chapter in Luke chapter 6, in verse 36, that closes out that, that's that passage. And he says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. That's how he closes out that whole speech about doing to others. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't forget how merciful God is to you every single day. Even though you continue to sin against him, he's merciful to you every single day. Don't forget that when someone wrongs you. Don't forget that when you're called to love someone. Don't forget that when you need to be kind to someone. And I had to tell our kids that night, go and show that same mercy and that same grace to those who hurt you. Because you think about it, mercy isn't found anywhere really except in the Christian life. Christianity, or I'm sorry, mercy is a characteristic of Christianity. We don't really find it anywhere else. So if, we're gonna, if there's going to be mercy in this world, where's it going to come from? It's going to come from the church. You need to be merciful. You need to show grace. And man, that's tough, isn't it? That is so hard to do. So hard to overcome the things that people do to us and let's continue to be gracious and merciful toward them. Even those people who wrong us. But that's what we're called to do. And that requires tremendous spiritual growth on our parts. We have to grow up. We have to grow up. We have to be more like Christ. In order to live that life out, we have to be more like Christ every single day. If you think you can do it just where you were at the beginning of your spiritual walk, you're not going to be very good at it. It takes effort every single day. We've got to, be, we've got to work to be more like Jesus every day. That's the only way we can show that type of love. Because imitating God is against our nature. You ever thought about it that way? Being more like Jesus is not normal for us. Being more like Chase is normal for me. Being normal like for you is that's what's normal for you. We want to be like Jesus. That's not normal. We have to strive to do that. So let's accept that challenge today. And, you know, who knows? We may even take it a step further and not just be merciful towards somebody. We may actually give them grace. What a concept, right? Not only am I going to spare you, but I'm also going to bless you. Not only am I not going to punish you for what you've done to me, I'm actually going to bless you. I'm going to give you something. It's crazy, right? It's a crazy kind of love. Mercy and grace. Several years ago, I stumbled across a... um, a story of mercy that still resonates with me today. You may have heard the story. It's the story of Victoria Ruvalo, young woman from Long Island, New York. There's her picture. Um, she's written a book about her story now. It's been out a few years. But um, from Long Island, New York, she was driving home from work one day, one night. It's on a Friday night. She was by herself. She was ready to go home. She said she already made plans to rent a movie, get some, get some food, get some takeout, carry it home. She just wanted a long weekend, peaceful, nothing planned. She was looking forward to just getting home and relaxing for a little bit. She had a hard week at work. She was ready to go. Shops on the freeway. She's heading home. She's only got about a 10-minute drive home. When all of a sudden, a car full of um, teenage boys, reckless teenage boys, pull their car over in front of hers, and they're going down the, the freeway 60 miles an hour. And one of those boys decides to take a frozen turkey, a 20-pound frozen turkey, lean out the back window, and throw it at Victoria's car behind him. Turkey goes sailing, hits in the windshield, goes through the windshield, rips the steering wheel completely off the steering column, hits her in the chest and face, causes a terrible accident, um, 
everything's busted. She crushed her face, broke almost every bone in her, from her chest up to the top of her head. Numerous surgeries. She spent over a month in the hospital. Wasn't sure if she was going to live. They had to put a trach in. All kinds of things this woman went through. Weeks and weeks of rehab, weeks and weeks of recovery, plastic surgery to repair the damage done to her face. She said that after a month, she was unrecognizable. Her own family and friends didn't know who she was. She looked that bad. One careless act almost cost this woman her life. The boys in the car were eventually caught. They were arrested. And the boy who actually threw the turkey was a young man by the name of Ryan Cushing. He was 18 years old. And now he was facing 25 years in prison for this, this act, this one dumb mistake. They went to court, and Victoria Ruvalo did something incredible. She showed this young man both mercy and grace. She went to the courtroom the day that Ryan's sentence was going to be handed down to him. He's looking at 25 years in prison, and she goes to the judge, and she asks for leniency. She says, I want him to serve six months. Not 25 years, six months. And the judge was just blown away. Why in the world would you want to cut this sentence? He could go 25 years. Think what he's done to you. Think about the pain and anguish that you've been through. Why six months? And she said, I just think that's the right thing to do. So the judge agreed that day the court, in the courtroom. He's sentenced to six months in prison. Case wraps up. Victoria walks across the courtroom floor. She wraps her arms around this young man who almost killed her and whispered in his ears these words. She said, I've given you your life back. Now go and do good with it. That's not, that's mercy but that's also grace. She took the punishment that he, that he deserved away from him, but she also gave him a blessing. I want you to go and make something of yourself. She said he was 18 years old. What good could he do spending 25 years in prison? She said, I believe he could do so much more good living his life. She granted him mercy and grace. She understood that we don't deserve it, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't show it. We're merciful because God is merciful. Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to show mercy toward today? Or maybe you're looking for mercy. Maybe you need to be forgiven today. Maybe you've done something and you keep waiting on the punishment. You keep waiting on the the hammer to come down and you can't live that way anymore. You need some mercy in your life. You need to be forgiven for something that you've done. If that's you, Today is the day to receive it. Today is your day. You can come forward and receive it right now. Like Brock Gill's video, the rubber band, there's no end to the grace. There's no end to the mercy, right? He's still got plenty of it for you. If you need that today, it can be yours. God's love, listen to this, God's love and compassion, his grace and his mercy are greater than your sin. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived your life, no matter what mistake you've made, Ryan Cushing made a terrible mistake in his life, and he deserved punishment for him, but God had grace for him. God has mercy for him. He has that for you too. Come and receive that today. It could be yours. Stand with me as we pray. Father, your love and compassion, it never runs out. It is far greater than anything we've ever known, it outweighs even our worst sins. You are the Father of both grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that we can find peace in that today. If there's someone in need of your grace and mercy here, 
Father, I just pray that they'll come forward and receive it. They don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But Lord, you willingly offer it to us anyway. Unfailing love and great compassion. It's what you give us. Lord, all we have to do is receive it. Lord, I pray if someone is experiencing that void in their life right now, they need that, I pray that they'll come forward. Lord, I pray if someone is coming just looking for a church home today, they want to come and be a part of Concord, Lord, I just invite them to come. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to show that love and mercy to us. Help us show the love and mercy that you have shown us to those who have even hurt us, those who may be against us. We show mercy because you first showed mercy. Lord, help us accept that challenge today. We ask all these things in the awesome and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.